Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It's Thursday, July 28th. From inside the WTOP newsroom, this is the DMV Download, brought to you by the men and women of Steamfitters Local 602. Get an estimate and learn more at steamfitters-602.org. Today, Metro's general manager is starting his role officially by addressing the fallout from a viral TikTok video where a writer says she was sexually harassed by a man on a station platform and no one came to help. Questions remain over exactly what happened at the Foggy Bottom station, but all eyes are on the question of how to ride Metro safely. WTOP's John Doman asked Randy Clark about the issue, and we also talk about what you can do if you're in an uncomfortable or dangerous situation on Metro. There are things that we can do to not make it as confrontational as we think it might happen. And with his official title, Clark is making some welcomed announcements about ridership. WTOP's John Aaron joins us with the latest on the Silver Line timeline and the faster service on three rail lines. Uh, The new GM said this is still not where he wants to be, but he said it's a a pretty significant step to happen uh, all at once. So he thinks this is important. Thanks for joining us. I'm Megan Cloherty. And I'm Luke Garrett. What you're about to hear is emotional sound from a woman who posted on social media about being sexually harassed waiting for a metro train. I'm making this TikTok because I had a really horrible experience on the DC metro. In a video that's gone viral, 21-year-old Helen Molteni sheds tears as she says she was harassed at Foggy Bottom Metro Station Tuesday afternoon. He made threats to rape me um, and told me to come sit on his lap. Um, And at the time, there were maybe 20 other people within a 20-foot radius. And no one did anything. There are questions being raised about the situation that Molteni described, and Metro is planning to release video this afternoon from the platform, which might shed more light on the situation. But there are also a couple components to add to this. And of course, I don't mean to minimize her experience. Even Molteni says herself that people have had much more dangerous experiences on Metro that we've reported on, including assaults and deaths due to safety issues. But the question still stands, what do you do if you feel unsafe on Metro? And what's the transit agency doing to ensure that passengers are safe? WTOP's John Doman asked some of these questions to the new general manager, Randy Clark. And John joins us now to talk about all this stuff. John, thanks for being here. Hi there. So, John, let's start by laying out the facts here. Um, Metro's confirming that this incident did happen and that Molteni called the non-emergency number for help when she felt threatened. What else did Clark say about the incident, if anything? He didn't say much beyond that, unfortunately. It's just it's clear that it's under investigation. He mentioned that police have spoken with her multiple times since the incident happened on Tuesday. But he didn't have a lot more about what happened. I specifically asked him how long it took for police to show up, if police even did show up. I don't have that specific information. Uh, I just got this obviously last night. Um, So I know the team, uh, the police officers have been in contact with her. I asked him if other complaints came in from people about the same person. That was something that Metro didn't have. She said that she has heard from a couple of people who who think that the same person may have harassed them that day. 
all of that is still unconfirmed at this point. So Metro is still digging around trying to find out what happened here. Uh, more to their point, they seem to realize that what happened is certainly a problem, though, that people need to feel safe on the system, especially as they try to lure more riders back. But they also say that this is just sort of a, a greater problem with society in general, that the issues that you're seeing just on city streets do spill over into Metro since Metro is part of that community. Mm -hmm. and, and that this is going to be something that's bigger than just Metro. You can't just expect Metro to clean this up. That type of behavior that she described is completely unacceptable, not just in Metro, but society. If somebody is doing this in a metro system, they're probably doing this in other places, too. And I thought that was sort of a fair point. Yeah. And did Randy Clark talk at all about increased metro transit police presence? Any other sorts of responses to this incident? You know, they have such a huge system to begin with. There's over 90 stations and that number set to grow in the coming months, plus all the bus routes and mm -hmm. just, just all the trains that are moving in general. So. Certainly, they're targeting things. They're, they're trying to, to, to keep aware as to where incidents are happening and be able to respond quickly to them. And you asked about, um, you know, is this happening often? Is, or is there data? We have to be able to separate what's anomalous behavior from true trends. And, uh, right? So uh, there is a feeling of safety, which I think is incredibly important. And then there are actual things that are unsafe. Clark sort of spoke to the fact that, you know, there's an issue, too, with police staffing. Everybody's down in staff, including police stations across the country, and that includes Metro Transit Police. Uh, we are definitely short on some staffing holistically here at Metro, and police is one of those areas. And I think, you know, the city, I believe, is, is short officers. It's a national issue of police officers. And it's hard for any of us to know what we would have done in that moment if we were in Molteni's shoes. Metro released a statement before Clark's press conference saying that she did the right thing by calling the station manager. But then she also didn't get help before the train came. Is there a number we can look out for and know of if we find ourselves in this situation? There's a couple of them. And if, if you can find the Metro non-emergency number, you can do that through the if you have the Smart Trip app on your phone. That's one way you can get in touch with Metro. Mm. I mean, at a certain point, you have to feel ready to call 911, too. Obviously, she wasn't physically accosted here, but she made clear that she felt that she was in physical danger and that she was sort of um, overwhelmed by the by the size of this person who was harassing her. He certainly wants you to, to call as many people as you can in terms of just get the help. Go to the station manager, go to police, respond and report it and, and try to get the resources there that can handle the situation as quickly as possible. Yeah, I don't know in an emergency situation if I would turn to an app necessarily, but they also have Metro has the C-Say app that you can download as well, which Clark mentioned um, is, a, is a resource. One of the things that seemed to upset Multeni the most was the fact that like no one else that was standing on the platform, she says, was offering to help her. And she spoke with WTOP saying, um, you know, that really bothered her that there was no one else um, jumping in to, to help. I don't really know what to make of it. I know that the bystander effect is a very real thing. I don't think I realized just how real it was until this happened to me. And it really gets to kind of the moral question, right, of, of when you step in to help. Um, it is worth considering, though, a couple things in this scenario. Bystander apathy, bystander effect is a real thing. I mean, it's a sociological concept that people are less likely to help a victim when there are other people around. Um, and then you've also got, John, like the physical space of a platform, right? You're kind of condensed in there. Your only ways out are kind of slower ways, right? The the escalator or an, an elevator where someone could theoretically follow you. You have the train tracks on either side. It's not like you're going to go that way. 
I don't know. It's not the ideal situation, and you're probably by yourself. It's not like your friends or family are there to help you. I think naturally we're oftentimes inclined to run away from risk. You know, the flight or fight thing. Yeah. If you don't want to put yourself in unnecessary risk, you're you're probably going to find a way not to do that. At the same time, though, I think all of us would like to think, and you know, maybe it's a gender construct with me being a bigger guy. We'd like to think that we would step in and help somebody when, when they need it. And I mean, I'm six, four, 230 pounds. I'm generally bigger than most people. When, when, when the situation arises, you know, there have been times where I've stood in the way, sort of it, it gotten in between two people that were in an uncomfortable situation and mm-hmm. tried to defuse things said, look, th- this can't continue. Let's end the problem right now. Right. But w- when you've got somebody who, people think may have been drinking who have been acting belligerent you, you don't know what else you know if, if they're on other substances or anything there's all sorts of different elements in in risks that start playing in your mind mm-hmm. and sort of influencing how you would respond when you're put on the spot it's it's unfortunate it's i think somewhat understandable but it's you know there are things that we can do at those to to not make it as confrontational as we think it might happen though as well mm. yeah. it's just a matter of Maybe you turn your back on the person who's being the problem and, and, and you get next to the person being harassed and you, you speak directly to them. Just yeah. get in the way or just kind of figure out a way to, to calmly lead them around and, and, and sort of distract and diffuse the situation. Right. There are ways to do it. You know, I, I've certainly been reading up on them since since we all saw this start to blow up yesterday. Because you don't want to be that time, person. You don't want to be the person who isn't doing anything. But as a woman on that platform, I honestly can't say that I... I mean, I, I wouldn't want it to be turned on me either. So it is, is it's a question I want to raise because if we find ourselves in this scenario, it's like you want to be be able to handle the situation as best you could. And, yeah. and being able to think clearly on that, you know, when you're in the heat of the moment, you, you can't promise yourself that you're going to actually be able to do that. Right. And you don't want to put yourself in danger, obviously. And from what we've been researching and finding as we looked into the story is that it's always good to, if you can, be aware that you have options. Yeah, and I found tips um, for being an active bystander, which is what they call it, which was posted by a program called Breaking the Silence out of the University of Cambridge um, called How to Intervene Safely. And really, they get to the four Ds. And John, you kind of hit some of these. So I don't know if you read the same thing, but... Um, yeah, no, that's exactly where I got it from. Really? Okay, so one of them is direct action, which is you just call out the negative behavior or ask the victim if they're okay. And if you can do that with one or two people, so it's not just you with the idea that you don't want it turned on you. That's an option. Uh, distract is another option, which is interrupt or start a conversation with the perpetrator or the victim. So essentially, you're causing a distraction, kind of diffusing the situation. If you, if I had gone up to Malteni in the moment and been like, hey, do you want to like walk with me over here or something? Maybe, I mean, who knows what would have happened, but it would have kind of given her an out or create a distraction so that she can remove herself from the situation. And I think that's all she was looking for, too, was finding a way to get out she felt trapped between i i, I guess the, the walls of the plat of the, of the station there and, and, and the person who was harassing her she said to to get away she would have had to walk past him mm. which made her feel uncomfortable and and, and felt basically trapped and so if, if there's a way to sort of help her get out of that situation that's all she was looking for from what it sounds like yeah just to follow up, the two others are delegate to get somebody else to step in. I've heard this before, too. Like, if, if you're in a situation, you can, like, point to someone and be like, call 911. Right, like, right, so right, right. So someone DB'd does up. something. Yeah. 
This um, kind of sparks some action. Exactly. And the final one is delay. And obviously this isn't doesn't sound like it's the best option, delay. But if there is a real threat of violence and you need to remove yourself from that situation, you can do that and then report it to police or report it later. So it is supporting that person who was in that situation later. If we had a bunch of videos of this incident or if police had heard from other people who were on that platform, it does substantiate more like what happened and the experience she was in. Then it also goes back to whether or not this was actually a crime. Again, something right. Metro yeah. nor her can, can say for sure. And, and and I think what we've seen over time as more people whip out their cell phones in those situations, you know, I, I personally, I, I have a hard time. If somebody's just taping it, I'd feel better if they were able to do one of the other steps that you mentioned instead. Just try to try to diffuse the situation, try to do something to end it as opposed to just, you know, recording proof that it happened. John, thanks for coming on the show and talking to us about, you know, this this really important story. You got it, guys. And after the break, with this new job title, Randy Clark made some announcements, including faster service on three metro lines come Monday. Backed by the experience of its hardworking members, Steamfitters Local 602 is ready to take on your next commercial heating, cooling, HVAC, or refrigeration project. Steamfitters Local 602 adds value to our community through its partnerships with local contractors and building owners, all while keeping the focus on improving the lives of its members and their families throughout the DMV. For work that's on time and on budget, go to steamfitters-602.org to schedule your next project. That's steamfitters-602.org. Steamfitters Local 602, changing lives. Thanks for listening to the DMV Download. If you like this show, give us five stars and leave us a review on Apple Podcast. We love hearing from you guys, and your reviews really do help other listeners find this, our area's only in-depth daily local news podcast. And thank you for making us a part of your day. Randy Clark now leads Metro. Okay, if you'd raise your right hand and repeat after me. I, Randy S. Clark. I, Randy S. Clark. And minutes after swearing in as general manager and CEO of Metro, Clark announced major updates to service. WTOP's John Aaron is joining us now on Zoom to walk us through all these announcements. John, thanks for being here. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. So, John, with um, Randy Clark taking this job officially now, um, he also made some announcements that in August, come Monday, actually August 1st, we're going to see trains increase in frequency on three lines, blue, orange and silver. Tell us more about that. Yeah, this is going to be on the blue, orange, and silver lines. Uh, weekday wait times had been 20 minutes, or train intervals had been 20 minutes, and that's going to be cut down to 15 minutes starting on Monday. Uh, that matches the service for the green and yellow lines. And Metro says that for most customers, this will mean that you this will mean you won't have to wait more than five to eight minutes for a train because most stations are served by at least two, if not all three, of the lines. So again, we're seeing some of this incremental improvement for riders who have just gone through so much with the 7,000 series cars being sidelined, big long wait times, the long headways at the stations. We keep seeing that getting a little bit better and better. Uh, The new GM said this is still not where he wants to be, but he said it's a a pretty significant step to happen uh, all at once. So he thinks this is important. And John, we also heard Clark say that the Silver Line Phase 2 should, that being the operative word, should be ready for riders in October. Uh, What's behind that? Well, this is fun because the Silver Line has like a million different milestones that they have to hit. And they all have like names like operational readiness and things like that that really mean nothing to the rest of us. So there's going to be another milestone that Metro hopes to hit in October. And it means that they'll be set to clear another set of safety hurdles 
And ideally, passenger service could happen not long after that. But after he made this announcement and he said, this is a big step for the Silver Line extension, he also said, I can't give you an opening date just yet. So we still don't know when it's going to open to passengers. The hope is maybe not too long after October. But I mean, how many times have we heard that when right. talking about yeah. Silver Line extension? And during this meeting, we heard fellow board member Tracy Haddon Lowe of the Brookings Institute. She kind of checked Clark on, you know, the promises of Silver Lines coming this fall. She said, that's just something I wanted to sanity check with you, because I know like when you get into a new role, there's a desire to have a lot of early wins. And I want that for you. I want that for us. But I know that you yourself are a former chief safety officer. And so you probably <laughs> don't need me to tell you this, but just to reiterate safety first. What does that you know, tell you about you know, this promised fall date and where riders' expectations should be? Well, I think riders' expectations should be tempered. Uh, I think when it comes to safety, the new GM is talking a big game. Today, he said, we're either running safe service or the service should not run. So he says that safety first is, is going to be big. Uh, I think he even said something along the lines of like, you're not even going to hear me mention safety because it's going to be more or less implied. So I think when it comes to safety, uh, that's going to be front and center for him. Obviously, the agency has been plagued with safety issues. We've heard so much about the safety culture. There are so many big things that Randy Clark has to take on when he gets into this job now. And safety is one of the biggest. And he's been pretty outspoken about all the stuff he has to take on. This is probably number one, in addition to getting those 7,000 series cars back. Right. And you just mentioned it. I mean, did he lay out any other top priorities for the agency now that he's officially beginning the job? He did. Uh, service frequency, he said, hands down, is the topic he's heard the most about. Obviously, that ties back into the 7,000 series cars and getting them back. That'll allow trains to run more frequently. But he also said service frequency on the bus side is a big deal for people. They just want reliable service, however they're using Metro. Uh, he said fare structure is a big deal to people, and that includes things like uh, fare evasion, uh, fare enforcement, and fare structure. Should there be flat fares at times? He said he's he's heard a lot. He's been talking to riders all week, and he's heard a lot about that. And then uh, the last big one that he mentioned was customer communication. He said whether it's a big incident or just a regular update, Metro riders want to be informed, so they're going to work on doing that better. Yeah, I remember him saying that uh, it was a complicated onion. That was kind of an analogy he used <laughs> yes. to describe like the fare updates. And can you talk at all to kind of just the vibe and the feeling in the room? You know, Metro has been faced with so many challenges. Did you get the sense that the board has hope in Randy Clark? They do. There was a lot of optimism on display today. And the GM is uh, a very polished and media savvy guy, it seems like. He was out making his rounds this week. Uh, he made sure to be seen at the stations, riding the system, uh, and, he, and he hit all the buzzwords today. You know, he, he confronted the problems head on. He talked about the 7000 series cars. He talked about safety. Uh, it seems like he understands exactly what he needs to do. Obviously, we'll see in the weeks and months and years to come if he can actually make those hard changes, because we've obviously heard other leaders talk about these kinds of things before, and they haven't really been able to move the needle. So we'll see. But he seems like uh, an energetic and a savvy guy. I know the cynical part of me is like, could they have um, started these uh, trains a little earlier than August 1st? But now he has this announcement to make. You know what I mean? Like, it is an important thing to have wins. So hopefully he gets more of them. John Aaron joining us and telling us what's new with Metro as a ongoing story that we continue to follow. Thanks for your time. Of course, it's not a DMV download without a cynical point from right. Megan. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. Thanks, John. <laughs> and before we go, we're going to dip into one of my favorite hobbies. 
Oh my, this is I, this is wide open. I don't know what you're about to say. <laughs> so this is what I do most days, is I go on my phone and I pull up the Craigslist app and I click on the free stuff section. <laughs> A little gold mine, let me tell you. So Wait, I, are you looking for anything in particular or you just want to see what's posted? I just love to see what people have to share for free, basically. So I just pulled it up right now. And right now, I see a beautiful fire pit for free. You can just go up there and pick it up. A beautiful fire pit. pit. Yeah, there's no rust. There's some coals (laughs) in the bottom of it, so you're getting free coal and stuff. But it's just there. It's in, you know, northern Virginia, posted 24 minutes ago. Okay. I keep scrolling. A slip and slide for the kids. (gasps) Wait, I kind of want that. free. I know, right? Now, obviously, you have to be kind of careful with Craigslist. You got to suss it out. Kind of careful? Definitely be careful. (laughs) You want to email, Speaking call, of danger. call on the phone, you know, use a, you know, coded phone number if you want. Yeah, meet in, meet in a public place, meet all that stuff. Meet in a public stuff. place, yeah, right. have a friend come with you. But I'm telling you, it is, there's a bounty on Wait Craigslist. Wait a minute. Have you gotten something off of Craigslist for free before? Oh, yes. Oh, one of my favorite items. It is an eight foot by four foot map of this entire region. It's a map of Virginia, Maryland, Delaware, and D.C., of course. Eight feet. Yeah, eight feet by four. And so I got this beautiful map. In Logan Circle, there's this family that was just, you know, moving, and they had all this awesome, cool, like, cartography stuff. It was so sick. Yeah, and then I went to Home Depot, um, got some plywood. (laughs) Got all crafty. Yeah, put it up on the plywood. (laughs) It is now mounted on my uh, living room wall. Yeah, so there's tons of awesome free stuff out there. I did not know this was a hobby of yours. Yeah. The problem is, though, you have to jump on it, like, immediately, yes, basically, you have to right? be on it. That's why I just kind of do it, you know, before I go to Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok. My favorite <laughs> social media is Craigslist. Check it out, friends. There you go. So if you want to lure Luke Garrett to your house, <laughs> put, no, I'm just teasing. Post something really cool. No. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. I, I have never done that. So, I, you know, I, maybe I'll pick up the hobby as well. Yeah, with caution, but... It works. All right. And that'll do it for us today on the DMV Download. We are sponsored by Steamfitters Local 602. Our managing editor is Craig Schwab, and our music is by Real World. And give us a review and rate our show when you get the chance. And while you're at it, subscribe so you never miss a show. You can also follow us on social media where we post content every day. You can find out more about this podcast and become one of our VIP listeners at dmvdownload.com. As you know, the DMV Download is a product of WTOP News. You can listen on 103.5 FM in D.C., 107.7 FM in Virginia, 103.9 FM in Frederick, online at WTOP.com and on the WTOP News app. Have a good night, guys. 